I could have accepted that diagnosis and I could have not had potentially the family that I had, or it could have had a different outcome. Just because one person tells you something negative, tells you that you can't do it, tells you that they can't help you, that you can't get pregnant or anything else for that matter, doesn't mean that, that is true. I think that a lot of people see a doctor's white coat and they have some kind of an idea that they're magicians and that they can fix everything. And if they say they can't fix it, then it can't be fixed. And I'm not anti-medicine, but I am pro-advocacy for patients advocating for themselves and learning to stand up for themselves, which is also something that I teach in the program because people get very insecure about talking to doctors, but to advocate for yourself, get second opinions, and don't let go of your goals and your hope until you're ready to do that. When you get to the point that you are done, you get to say, you get to decide that. Don't let somebody else decide that for you. It's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. I'm Erica, and it's my mission to help you take control of your fertility and get pregnant faster. Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke. I'm joined today by Erica Hoke. Erica is the infertile mom of four. I love that title that you have for yourself because people go, what? How are you infertile if you're a mom of four? She's a fertility coach and has an awesome story about how that happened. Erica, welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. So give us the background of this. I know that's a great, the infertile mom of four. It was a stunning diagnosis at the time of a 1% chance of conceiving, and it was recommended that we utilize donor eggs, and we just decided that was not for us at the time, that we wanted to try other avenues. IVF was always going to be my backup plan until it wasn't, and so then I had to figure out how to, how to systematically go through all the things that affect your fertility until we were able to get pregnant the first time. And then our second pregnancy was twins all over the age of 35, by the way. And then our last pregnancy was seven years after we were diagnosed as not being candidates for IVF and needing donor eggs. So you had, so you got pregnant three times to four children yep, all after the age of 35, all after they told you it's only a 1% shot and you were not even a candidate for IVF. That's correct. With seven different diagnoses of infertility problems. So I had stage four endometriosis. I had something called factor five Leiden. I had uterine fibroids, I had PCOS, I had MTHFR, I had thyroid disease. In addition to being, I think I left one out, but in addition to being what the medical community tells us is advanced maternal age. What every woman wants to hear. I know. They need to come up with a new name for that because yeah. geriatric is just, that's like an 80-year-old. I mean, what are you talking right, about? I'm right, 35 yeah. years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So 
you did you hire a coach or did you just become your coach and do the research? I wish I had what I'm able to offer my people now because I'm able to shorten the timeline because I just had to try and fail over and over again and do a lot of detective work that my people don't have to do. It wasn't even a thing very much back then. And maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, but it, I wish that I would have had somebody to, to walk with me through the process because it's very grueling. I think if anybody going through infertility would want a loved one or friends to know one thing is that every single negative test is like a, a loss. It's like a death. So it's, it's a very intense process for people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you started doing research as far as every, you mentioned every different thing that could possibly produce infertility. And then did you just tackle each one, one at a time, or what was your game plan at that point? Yeah, I'm an all everything all at once kind of person. So I just started doing all the things all at once and uh, doing a lot of detective work myself into my own lab work, finding externally what affects infertility in terms of hormone and endocrine disruptors, which there's a ton of that women are exposed to and men too. A third of all infertility is male factor infertility, but that's not the focus of what I do. And then also, I think a overlooked and key component to infertility is the mental. First of all, if you can't cope, you can't continue. If you cannot manage your mental stability during the infertility process and you have to give up, then that's it. That's going to be the rate limiting step for you. But in addition to that, in addition to the daily, day-to-day, month-to-month cyclic trauma that happens with infertility, there's a huge connection between previous trauma and sexual assault, sexual abuse, and things like that associated with women who have infertility. And so it's one of the, one of the ways that I help my clients also. Interesting. Yeah. There's, so there's like the external and then also the internal sort of the mindset. So what walk us through that. Speaking of your clients, walk us through the first maybe week or month or whatever the timeline is. You first meet with somebody who's having problems getting pregnant and really wants to get pregnant, maybe doesn't want to go IVF, or maybe they're not even a candidate, like you weren't a candidate. Mm-hmm. What, how do you start that, that process? I like to say that it's systematic, but it's personalized. So we have an overarching system, but each person is going to be going to be different. Some people I need to help either because of personality or because of the point they are on their timeline. So that's the first thing that we do is we establish where they are on their timeline. Are they newly diagnosed or have they been at it for a considerable amount of time? Have they had testing, things like that? So we They have the choice of either having my personal attention as a one-on-one coach, or I have a program where they enter into based on their cycle week. So it's a three-month program. So if they start the program on week three of their cycle, that's where they enter into the program and then complete that first month. And then it's just, it's a checklist for them to determine where 
what has not been covered? What hasn't been covered and then daily action items for them to move the needle and reduce reduce all the obstacles for why they're not getting pregnant. Nice. And then, so I like that, how you said it's systematic, but it's also customized, individualized, because I would imagine depending on the person, if their nutrition is already on point, then maybe there's another focus that you go to vice versa. If there's somebody who really, their diet is in shambles, then maybe polish up their nutrition first and see what happens and take it one step at a time. Absolutely. And I don't do it on my own. Also, I want to mention that I have what I like to call my super friends that are part of the program that teach things like EFT tapping is something that I include because that again is a a coping tool that you can use anywhere. We're living our lives and these women are getting their cycles at work. They're having disappointments again, frequently. This is every 30 days when you're not getting pregnant is a grieving process. People, I also partner them with other practitioners that do similar coping skills that are in your pocket, that are tools that are in your pocket that you can take with you and utilize. How long have you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Yeah. Uh, How long have you been doing this? I've been fertility coach for two years now. And yep. I'm sure anybody that's watching that, that might have kids know that there's a certain point where you get your life back a little bit and have a little bit of more, have a little bit more freedom. Yeah. And it's different for each kid. One of my kids, I can say solidly when she hit three and a half, I was like, cool, go live your life. And (laughs) (laughs) the other one is almost six. And I'm like, Oh, are we doing this again? So it's different for each person, but yeah. So you have that freedom to say, okay, I got my four. They're a little bit older and now I can help others create their little, their little tribe. Yeah. And I'm super motivated to by the fact that women every day are going to doctor's offices and being told that they have skywas, that they have zero um, chance of getting pregnant on their own, that there's very little hope for them. And so people do a few different things when that happens, they either go home, crawl in a hole, never come back out. They're done. Their infertility journey is over. They're not willing to dive into it any further. And then you have other people that might get a second opinion. They might pursue it to a point and then also give up. And then you have other people that are just dogged in their pursuit of finding out what's going on in their body and why they can't get pregnant. Yeah. This is, I want to encourage anybody listening to this, whether you yourself want to get pregnant and you've been hitting obstacles or you know, women who are even just barely got engaged like this, you never know when this podcast might need to come across somebody's somebody's eyes, but also want to say, this was not a fluke. Like you have four children. This is pretty incredible. So if you or someone has been trying, no success, um, call it 
Erica, we're going to give you a chance to tell people how to get in touch with you. First, I'd like you to give your big picture motivational speech. I, this is my favorite question. It's at the end of every episode. <laughs> Each guest gets a chance to give a motivational speech about bigger kind of big picture principles, how to live the best life, what you think people can learn from your experience. Oh my goodness. I think that the biggest thing is personal responsibility. As I just mentioned, some people just don't have, they don't have, they, they choose not to be resilient. They choose to accept. I could have accepted that diagnosis and I could have not had potentially the family that I had, or it could have had a different outcome. So I would say be determined in your goals. That's the first overarching topic. Be determined in your goals. And just because one person tells you something negative, tells you that you can't do it, tells you that they can't help you, that you can't get pregnant or anything else for that matter, doesn't mean that, that is true. I think that a lot of people see a doctor's white coat and they have some kind of an idea that they're magicians and that they can fix everything. And if they say they can't fix it, then it can't be fixed. And I'm not anti-medicine, but I am pro-advocacy for patients advocating for themselves and learning to stand up for themselves, which is also something that I teach in the program because people get very, very insecure about talking to doctors, but to advocate for yourself, get second opinions and don't let go of your, don't let go of your goals and your hope until you're ready to do that. When you get to the point that you are done, you get to say, you get to decide that. Don't let somebody else decide that for you. Okay. That's, uh, I've learned these two terms recently, the difference between a diagnosis and a prognosis, and that the diagnosis is the doctor saying, okay, you have this disease or you have this condition or this one, and this is what the x-ray MRI shows and this versus a prognosis where with your, in your case, oh, you have a 1% chance of having kids. They don't really know that it's that exact percentage. They're ballparking it. Or you have cancer. Okay. Cancer is the diagnosis. Prognosis is you have three weeks to live. You don't know that. This is one thing that uh, when I've talked to cancer survivors and they say that don't listen to the prognosis, they are right. no, nobody's actually qualified to give a prognosis because nobody knows you, your doctor didn't know your resiliency. They didn't know that you would turn over every possible rock in the universe to figure out how to get pregnant. I want to encourage people of that. And again, if you are thinking of having kids, want to have kids, know people who want to have kids, how do they get in touch with you, Erica? They can go to my website. It's my first and last name. It's Erica with a C. And my last name is Hoke. That's like hope with a K, H-O-K-E. And for your listeners and your viewers, I have a special guide. If you just do ericahoke.com forward slash 10 steps, it'll get you on track for the 10 first steps to take after an infertility diagnosis. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you so much for doing that. 
Again, uh, this is Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke. Joining me today is Erica Hoke, the infertile mama four. And thank you, Erica, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Health in the Real World show. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment down below. Visit mycorebalance.com to learn more.